Welcome to Closer to Christ, the sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. You can learn more about our ministries at stpaulmuskego.org. And now for this week's message. Good morning. God's grace, His mercy, His peace are yours. From God the Father, through His Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in Your sight. O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer, and all God's people say, Amen. Today, this part of Scripture for our hearing is Ephesians 6, 10-17. The armor of God probably known pretty well by us. We've heard it. We've seen the pictures. We're going to really just do kind of a cursory look. There's so much in here we could talk about. But Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. It begins, well, let me just do a quick reminder. that, that So in pursuit of family church that our, our video talked about, that's our nuclear family. That's the smallest church in our lives. Nuclear family, functional church, big church, and we're focusing in on family church, the smallest church, and how do we prepare that smallest church, the nuclear family, to be prepared, not scared, as we face the future, but today as we face the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. As we do that, notice the first word of our text, finally, finally, okay? Why finally? Well, we have to get the context of these verses that Pastor Pete shared with us last week. The context of these verses is Ephesians 5, where Paul wrote, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Place yourself in service to each other. And he had said, guys, if you're a husband, then make your wife Number one in your life, your number one priority, be ready to die for her and to live every day for her. And then God says, wives, allow your husband to lead. Because if you trust me and do this and he's doing his thing, wow, the blessings that come. Children, Paul said, obey your parents. That's a trust thing as a child, obeying mom and dad. And then he says, parents, Make sure you parent so as not to frustrate your children. So don't parent like you think you need to parent. Parent how I want you to parent. There's blessing in that. And then he said, employers, take care of and love your employees as fellow creatures with you of the Creator God. And employees, serve your boss as though you're serving Christ. And then Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord. You see, that's the context, the submitting to each other. What's the problem? The problem is the sinful nature inside of us all. There's a reality, but whether you are male or female, mom, dad, whatever your role in life, our sinful nature pushes back and doesn't want to do it. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 7, I would not have known what coveting was until the law said, don't covet, and then I wanted to covet. 
Our sinful nature always wants to rebel against God. So if God would flip genders on you and make you a male or make you a female, all of a sudden gave you a different role, you'd fight against that one too. Because of the sinful nature inside of us all. But guess what's even more irritating is that there's this, there's this being named Satan who is right here encouraging the rebellion encouraging us to push back against God and say, not this guy, not this girl. And so Paul's like, all right, finally, how do we prepare ourselves to live what God has outlined for us to be and do? Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power and put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I'll just say up front, the heavenly realms is that the spiritual realms. This is not heaven in the presence of God. It's still spiritual. So against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when, not if, so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is the Word of our God, and all God's people say, Amen. Prepared, not scared. <clears throat> it was 1978. Remember being that young, or can you imagine being that old? 1978, it was the dark ages of athletics, at least in my world. You know, I was, I was 14, just confirmed, heading into high school, and I had spent the summer mowing lawns, baling hay, muscle stuff, and it was time for school to start, and I thought, I'm going to be a freshman in high school, I want to blend in, I want to fit in, so... Someone said, hey, you should go out for cross country. That was like 24 hours before the first practice. And I'm like, okay, sure, I'll sign me up. So I show up, 85 degrees in Watertown, Wisconsin. I'm wearing the classic 1970s, 80s canvas high tops, right? Flat as all, get out, no support. Had I run? A mile in the summer? No. You didn't need to. You showed up and high school made you the person you were going to be. I lasted a practice and a half. I quit. I can't do this. I was afraid. There's this hill in Watertown up this slope and 85 degrees. No one should run uphill in 85 degrees. And my feet hurt. And I didn't fit in because everybody else who knew about cross country had run all summer and they were way ahead of me. So I quit. 
I was not prepared. And in reality, I was scared of what was coming. And I didn't want any part of it. The Apostle Paul wants us to not be caught off guard. He wants us to know that spiritual warfare is coming. He wants us to know it, to plan for it, to train for it, and to trust our God. Job one of being prepared, not scared, is to know your enemy. Paul wrote, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Now this is not completely belittling the people in our lives that bring struggle. You know, when you were five, you didn't like a bully. And 35, you don't like a bully. And when you were, when you were 13 and there were the manipulator in your life, share the answers on the quiz, Nate. Come on. You don't enjoy that anymore when you're 37 and they want you to share with them things they have not learned or earned themselves. There are people that frustrate us, relationships that frustrate us. But Paul is saying to us, know your enemy. That the real enemy is not people. The real enemy is the one who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Peter teaches us in 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Be sober and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The Apostle Paul wants us to know that all of our struggles, first and foremost, are spiritual. If you're filling out the back of your, of your note sheet, conflict in the spiritual realm affects the things in the physical realm. Paul wants us to know that the devil is always right here actively seeking to hurt us or to harm us. To me, it's haunting words in John 13 when we read about Judas. The night before Jesus died. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. <clears throat> Having loved his own who were in the world, he now loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And later in the meal, when Jesus calls out the one who was betray him, we're told. Then, dipping the piece of bread in the dish, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. Satan and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms are, are the true enemies that we need to know. Satan seeks to influence us. He wants to bring the darkness into our lives with the hurts of others that cut to the soul, or our own sins that bring guilt and shame that cut to the soul, or he wants to get us caught up in the pleasures of this life so we walk away from Jesus and we walk out into the world and embrace the pleasures and become a source of darkness for others. 
Paul says, know your enemy. The enemy is Satan first and foremost. Yet we have these daily struggles in our lives that seem so real with people. But think about the people you struggle with, the relationships you struggle in. Isn't the first problem really me? Satan urging us to respond with anger or vindictiveness or arrogance or a sharp tongue. Adding to the darkness in this world rather than turning the other cheek and saying, no, I'm not playing the world's game. I'm going to live for my Jesus. I'm going to love you unconditionally. We continue to be like the world. Again, filling in your notes, if you're doing that, rooted in the spiritual realm are the troubles of this world with the resources to fight them also in the spiritual realm. Satan doesn't play by the rules of what we see. Satan plays by the rules of what we are by nature. Sinful before our God, loving to do me, loving to do me over you. He loves to bring the hurt into the lives of you and me. Which is why Paul says, put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God because the devil is real. There's always that philosophical question. Is the devil happiest if we believe in him and are afraid, or if we don't think he exists and we ignore him? That's a fun debate. But he loves it when we don't, fear, don't, don't think he exists and don't respect his power. Let me ask you as fellow children of God, do you and I need to fear Satan? Do we need to fear Satan? The answer is no. Listen to what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2 to remind us of Jesus' victory over Satan. Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, that's Christmas, right? And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, the resurrection to eternal life and the ascension into heaven. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Notice those words, that every knee should bow in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth. Satan is defeated. Satan has no power over you and me. When Satan would come to us and accuse us of our sin, Jesus is our defense, Jesus is our forgiveness. We'll get to that in just a moment. But you and I are victorious with our Savior Jesus. And every knee must bow to Him. So is there any reason for us to be afraid of Satan? No. 
If Satan appeared in this room right now, we'd simply say in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the world's Savior, out of this room and Satan would have to flee. No fear. Yet Peter says, don't don't forget to respect. You see, Satan is a powerful being. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Satan is powerful in his temptation. Satan is powerful in his accusation. And if we don't go into life armed for battle, he may just have his way with you and me. So Paul goes on to say, I'm going to back up and show you that. All right. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have been done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Prepared, not scared, know your enemy. Prepared, not scared. Paul says, claim your strength. Claim your strength. Let me ask you this. If you're honest with yourself, do you treat Jesus as God's special gift for eternal life? And eternal life alone? Or is Jesus God's special gift to you for everyday use? Think about that. My favorite passage in all of Scripture is Galatians 22, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live the sinful part of me. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Who I am each and every day is I am dead to sin. I don't want to do it anymore. Oh, there's a part of me that wants to, but the believing side of me doesn't want to. And the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus is good for everyday use, not just for eternal life. And that's Paul's whole point with the armor of God. The first three gifts, or the first three pieces of armor are God's gift to us. This is Christ living in us. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Is is that practical knowledge for you? Do you wake up in the morning and look at your chest and say, well, good morning, Jesus. I'm glad you're here with me today. What are we doing? Did you do that? Why not? I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Try that. Warn your family ahead of time. Warn your spouse. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to talk to Jesus inside my body. 
He's God's gift to you, which leads to God's gifts to us. The belt of truth. Is a belt just for decoration, or is it a key feature of your, dra- of your clothing? Well, it depends. For most of us, the belt is key, not just decoration. The belt keeps the pants from falling down. That's bad. Now, if you're a Roman soldier, the belt kept your armor together, your sword on the belt, the belt keeping the things that shielded here around your body that kept the breastplate tight to your chest. The belt was key. Paul says you've been given the belt of truth. When Satan whispers into our ears, as the Lauren Daigle song sang, you say, when Satan says you have no value, God cannot love you. God saw, God sees, God knows. The Spirit of God whispers in our ear and says, look at your belt. Look at the Jesus inside of you, the belt of truth. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. The belt of truth is key to our defense. God so loved that He gave His Son that whoever believes is good with God. The breastplate of righteousness. We might think body armor. Body armor. And this comes from the forgiveness of sin. You know, the body armor covers the heart. Biggest target is your chest when someone wants to bring you down. And so they naturally are going to gravitate toward here. And why? The heart. Without the heart, you die. Without the good news of Jesus Christ that I am forgiven, I will spiritually die. And so Satan goes for the heart. You are not forgiven. Children of God don't do what you did. Children of God don't do what you have done. You are not loved by God. And those, that attack comes our way and hits that breastplate of Christ's righteousness. And you and I are okay. I have been crucified with him, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. He is my righteousness. He is my forgiveness. It defends our spiritual life. And then the fighting shoes. Feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You know, when you, if you want to go out for cross-country, you don't wear hiking boots to run for cross-country. Nowadays, and I actually wore, wore my, my lightweight running shoes today because, wow, right? Feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, lightweight, right? Not weighed down with guilt. And shame. God can't love me. If my parents knew, if my spouse knew, if my children knew. Whoa. But when you're forgiven, 
My children know Jesus. My wife knows Jesus. I was honest with her, and she forgave me my sins. And guess what, Satan? In the name of Jesus, get out of my life. I can fight you. I am ready with feet that are free. Fighting feet. Fighting shoes. Lightweight. The peace of knowing our God. And then God puts, uh, puts into our hands the weapons of our God. I'll bet you never thought of a shield as an offensive weapon. So God has equipped us with Jesus in us, and now he says, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. For us, the shield is a defensive an offensive weapon combined in one when the devil comes at us with temptation. Listen to me. Follow me. Do it my way. Pleasure is better. Life is short. Live hard. Follow me. And we throw up the shield of faith. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. I trust him. And when he comes at us with the doubts again, am I loved? Am I enough? We throw up the shield of faith. And we say, I am. Because Jesus tells me so. The helmet of salvation. Take the helmet of salvation. Put on the helmet of salvation. This is protecting our thoughts. Maybe you've heard a pastor end a sermon before, and now may the peace of God, the forgiveness of sins, how could he forgive me? He did. May the peace of God, which is beyond all human understanding, may it guard our hearts and our minds through faith in Christ Jesus. The Spirit says, don't ever forget that you are forgiven. I am a baptized and redeemed child of God, bought with the precious blood of the Lamb. The Spirit is saying to us, don't forget, put on the helmet, because the attack is coming. And Satan will want to play with your thoughts. Did Jesus really die for me? I really screwed up last night. Did he really die for me? I don't think so. And the Spirit says, yeah. He died for you. And whoever believes in him has eternal life. The helmet of salvation. Really an offensive weapon preparing to take on the thoughts of Satan. The sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. A sword, offensive and defensive weapon, right? God puts into our hands the sword of the Spirit to defend ourselves, but also to go on the attack against Satan. Now, wouldn't it be cool if the sword of the Spirit looked like and acted like a lightsaber? And the people just knew, oh, there goes, a, not a Jedi, but, uh, but a child of God, stay away, sword of the Spirit. Instead, they're like, why do you believe that stuff? And for them, the sword of the Spirit Looks like a dead lightsaber, right? Not unimpressive. But the Lord calls it the sword of the Spirit. To cut, to defend, to go on the offensive for us. Does it work? Remember the account in Matthew 4 of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness? There's a variety of reasons why God shared that account with us, that he sent his son into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. One of the reasons was to show us how to use 
the sword of the Spirit. Jesus did not like jump into the devil's face and say, whoa, back off, I am the Son of God and the Son of Man. Back off or I will destroy you. No, it was like Jesus, I always envisioned him kind of just sitting on the rock and the devil says, you know, eat this bread. Eat this bread and prove you're God's son. And Jesus picks up the sword of the Spirit that looks rather unimpressive to the world, even to us. He picks Deuteronomy 8. Who does that when you want a powerful passage? Jesus does. And he says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. There was no but Satan backed off. Took Jesus to the highest point of the temple. Jump off the temple if you're the son of God. And God will send his angels to lift you up. And Jesus says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Satan backs off. Satan takes him and shows him all the nations of the world that Jesus would die for and win for through his crucifixion. Win for himself. And Satan says, hey, son of God, son of man, just worship me. I can give you all these without the cross. Jesus said, no. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And Satan backed off. The sword of the Spirit. It's not necessarily the big and powerful It's the quiet, the subtle, the real. In Luke 10, Jesus sends out 72 of his disciples to go preach and teach ahead of him on his mission. And after a while, these 72 come back and they say, Lord, it was awesome. We picked up the lightsaber of the word of God and we... And these demons were just flying out of people. It was awesome. And Jesus is like... He says, don't rejoice that demons submit to you in my name. Rejoice that your names are written in the book of heaven. You see, what's in us, Christ in us, is the true gift and the power of God. If I know and believe that Jesus died for me, the devil can whisper on my deathbed, have you done enough? Have you been good enough? It won't matter. I'll say, get behind me, Satan, in the name of Christ my Savior. And if you can be there, Mike and company, if you can be there and sing a hymn for me on my deathbed and remind me of that, you say, you say I am loved. You say I am worthy. Use the sword of the Spirit on my behalf, on behalf of each other in this thing called family church. Mom and Dad, pick it up. Don't be afraid. It won't go and flash, but it works. Jesus told those disciples, Rejoice that your name is written in the book of heaven. There is your power There is your joy. Jesus told his disciples in that moment, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. 
as you were doing my work, freeing people from Satan's clutches. In summary of that thought, think of it this way. It's not what's on you. It's what's in you. You are not safe because you go to the bridge. You are not safe because you are a member at St. Paul's. You are not safe because you have a little badge sewn to your spiritual shirt, confirmed 2023, St. Paul's, Muskego. You're not safe because that's why on the outside of you. You're safe because of what's inside. Good morning, dear Lord Jesus. What are we doing today? This last week, we started confirmation class with our public school kids, looking forward to the year, confirming them on May 5th, 2024. A week from Tuesday, we start the next Following the Promise class, looking forward to that. Not so that someone can say, well, I was confirmed at St. Paul's in 2024, and I can go to Lord's Supper now, and I'm going to confirm my member of the church, and hey, I went through Following the Promise, it's all good, I'm a member now. We don't do those things for the outside. We do those things for the inside. To make sure that God's people know this Jesus who died for you, that you believe in, he lives right there. And you can trust him, not just for eternal life, but for today. He'll walk with you. He'll mourn with you. He'll rejoice with you. He will guide you. And he will be the source of your strength so that no matter what comes, you are prepared, not scared. Amen. Let's pray. Great God and Lord, we come before you today as always with thanksgiving and praise because you are the God who loves us so much you sent your son Jesus to be our Savior. Lord, would I die for me? I don't think so. I'm not sure I can love me enough to die for me, much less a sinful world. But so great is your love that you decided to do it anyway. You didn't care about our opinion. You came into this world. You sent Jesus to die for the sins of the world and of me. You washed my sin away. And then you set up a household in my heart. You live there. Dear Lord Jesus, welcome to my life. Oh, Holy Spirit, you have a bunk bed in there too in my heart. Welcome to my life, O oh Son and Spirit of God. Heavenly Father, keep reminding me through the facts of Jesus' life and death and resurrection and through the work of the Holy Spirit, remind me each and every day that who I am is a child of God, who I am is redeemed and forgiven, who I am is someone who already has the victory of eternal life, who I am is someone with whom you walk every day. And Lord, help me remember that what you say is what matters in my life, both how I am saved and how I, am, how I live. Help me to lead my family to be prepared for the rest of today and tomorrow. Prepared, not scared. Heaven is ours. You are faithful. Help us to always know you and to trust you and speak to you and never cease living inside of us as our Savior God. 
And now, Heavenly Father, we gather all the requests and prayers of your people together in the prayer that our brother Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And now receive with believing hearts the blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor, and may he always give you his peace. And together God's people shout, Amen. Thanks for joining us on the Closer to Christ Sermon Podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. Closer to Christ podcasts are from our current sermon series and are released every Monday morning. For live stream services and other ministry information, please visit us online at stpaulmuskego.org.